This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my good friend Michael Phillip. How's it going today, brother? It's going well, man. It's going well. I forgot to do my audio check. Am I am I good? Am I coming through? Yes, sounds great. A proper input source. Yes, sir. Fabulous, fabulous. Absolutely. Yeah, man. It's good. Good to be back. Good to be back. I think I'm now recalling that I was the first guest, so mm-hmm. it'll be good to uh, to connect the mouth to the tail of the Ouroboros 100%. conversationally. Absolutely. I love to have you on as many, I, I'd like to think of you as like a, a seasonal guest, you know? So uh, I think one season you weren't on it, but from here forward, that'd be a, a great idea. Is like Michael Phillips back for his season, you know, his episode of the season. Cause I still kind of do it in the seasonal format versus just like indefinitely. Um, yeah. It just flows for me a little better. And I, I, it's useful for me to get away for a couple of weeks and then come back to it. Um, yeah, man. So everyone has their flow with it, but, uh, yeah. yeah, you don't like to grind, you don't like to grind your will into oblivion creatively and just, <laughs> just feel like you're bashing your head against the wall every week. Yeah. You know, I, I do, do, I do like to do that, but at some points it's just like, yeah, we got to give that a break and focus on something else for a bit. But, um, I still love it. Still enjoy it. That's why we're here today. So thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. We were actually just talking about trip reports before we began recording, which is kind of a cool topic to jump off on. Um, I had had a buddy on not long ago uh, during my Halloween special. Uh, His name is T, um, or the Trip Keeper, as he's a little bit of an anonymous guy. Um, Oh. And yeah, he has a, a, a channel called Tales from the Trip, and... My first introduction to him was we were talking about uh, Datura, um, or at least he was talking about Datura on his YouTube channel, and I really fell down the rabbit hole of listening to like all of his videos, um, which you know probably ten or twenty percent of them are about Datura. Although he does explore all psychedelics and even things like Benadryl, like tripping on Benadryl and like all this. What I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, um, seems I've never done that. But is there? That's the thing that I'm always curious about is like with with tryptamines, you don't have to worry about toxicity. Right. Because, you know, for anybody who's ever looked into it, it's like you can't really overdose on mushrooms or LSD or, you know, any of the classic tryptamines. But once you start getting into pharmaceuticals and Mm -hmm. other plants that you have to be careful with, it's like, oh, man, this this seems like I don't know if I don't know if I'm up for potentially poisoning myself to play with i mean play with my consciousness makes it sound trivial but you know things like hemlock and Mm -hmm. there's all these visionary plants that are a little bit more exotic like they're they're probably things people have heard of Mm -hmm. but it's like oh why aren't these more common it's like well because you could die Mm -hmm. drinking it or or eating it what comes to mind for me about all that is it's kind of a matter of desperacy to 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 use a Benadryl or a Datura or Morning Glory seeds or, um, you know, the, uh, these kind of just like, what is it called? Hawaiian baby Woodrow seeds, like, because they can't find the real thing because the real thing is illegal because there are so much less side effects and it's more, um, impactful to your consciousness so people that, you know, really want to explore their mind or maybe they just want to escape and use it as an escapist tool, they get kind of desperate. And they're like, dude, I heard you can trip on Robitussin. Let's go buy some because yeah, we can yeah, actually find yeah. it at the store. I haven't seen LSD in six months. And uh, yeah, it comes with a ton of negative side effects, you know, neurotoxicity, yeah. just like hurts your liver and 
um, all kind of, you know, and honestly, the effects of it aren't nearly as clear and clean and um, insightful either. It's like, yes, you're not in your normal state of consciousness, but is it really that helpful? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's funny, man, is um, I recently had a very similar conversation about how a lot of people, um, especially like in my age group and like, you know, probably yours too, but we're we're like a cusp generation and me in particular as a dude in his deep into his 30s like i'm on that cusp generation of so many different things like technologically but also in terms of how we think about psychedelics because i think anybody from here on out for sure but probably maybe even like a decade or two younger they don't have as much of a hangover from the prohibition and the misinformation as people my age do and older mm -hmm. because they weren't subject to the propaganda as much. So they're, they're more open to this idea of like, oh, you can take these visionary substances and there's therapeutic value and medicinal value. But this guy I went to the, that I, who owns the gym that I've gone to mm -hmm. for years now, He's a couple, like a few years older than I am. He's like in his early 40s. And finally, like we're, we've always been nice and on very casual terms. And it recently came up that I have a podcast and it like really perked his ears up. And he's like, well, what kind of stuff do you talk about? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I'm like about to leave the gym. And then all of a sudden it's like 45 minutes later. And we've had this super deep philosophical conversation about all these different things. And psychedelics came up and he still has that sort of a view that you're talking about mm. in terms of like oh this is like just an escapist mm. kind mm. of way to play with your brain way to you know escape from reality fuck yourself up mm -hmm. and 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 he he is aware of the benefits the therapy the spiritual exploration that these things can facilitate but in all of his experiences as a kid, that was the pretense. It was like, go to a party, get fucked up on mushrooms and get drunk, yeah. you know? So th there's a lot of people who still have the who have that perception. Right. And I think it's, it's something that might slowly be changing, mm -hmm. but to a lot of people, it, it's going to take significant reformation still, which is crazy because mm -hmm. for you and me, it's like a foregone conclusion. We've been right. talking about this shit for years, mm -hmm. understanding that the depth and the power that is behind them. But for a lot of people, they're still like, oh, yeah, dude, you're just fucking yourself up. Right. That's all you're doing. Right. Yeah, I I think part of what's going to help that happen isn't going to be necessarily you reading articles, but it's going to be people in your life, whether it's a family member or a best friend um, or someone like that, that you can actually see like they're benefiting. You can actually see right. they're changing in a positive way and that they're using these tools and then it'll actually make you wonder, hmm, am I missing out on something? Like, maybe I should take this a little more seriously. Because there's so many articles I can come out and say, helps with mood, helps with depression, helps with anxiety. And it's like, yeah, because you're high. You know, like, if you have your little point of view, you're going to like keep copy pasting that onto whatever. It's, you know, like that you're going to, that's going to come across your feed or your email. Um, but when you actually see change in your life, and are inspired by that, that's when you start to reconsider what's going on with these plants and substances. Absolutely, dude. And as I get older too, you know, the, the set and setting thing is so cliche, 
But as I get older, I'm sincerely playing with the idea that it might be more important than the substance in and of itself. Because think about the types of healing experiences you can have just in a group setting. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you have a group of people you get together with and it's sincerely just like a loving, open-hearted community where everything is like under the pretense of like, I love you as a human. I, I know you're going through the same shit as me. Mm -hmm. That in and of itself is incredibly transformative and healing, especially if it's something you're doing over and over again. Right. So if you if you couple that with one of these substances, you're really in a contextual container that I think fast forwards that healing process. Mm -hmm. However, if you're just if you are out there just fucking around, you kind of are just rolling the dice. You know, you're yeah. just kind of psychically rolling the dice. And then what ends up happening is it's right there in the word, right? Like psych psychedelic, psyche, delios, mind manifesting. Mm -hmm. Whatever is in your mind is going to come to the forefront. And as you know, once you spring that leak, the dam is about to rupture and the psychic waters are about to rush through mm -hmm. and it's going to happen and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And yeah. I'm not trying to make that sound scary because it's a, it's a fundamentally beautiful thing, but it's also beautiful in the way that like climbing a dangerous mountain is beautiful right <laughs> it's like dude it's are, are you really on a random tuesday evening gonna go hike mount everest because that's kind of what you're doing right. if you take a large dose of something mm -hmm. um thousand percent. but anyway i'm rambling yeah. as you know i love that and i was gonna say that i think part of all of that is having a witness and, and i wish that i'm sure there's a million kind of metaphors for like why witness is important to like the healing process that I can't really just like spout out. But I think, you know, when we enter those uh, community gatherings um, and especially psychedelic community gatherings, you, you know, a lot of times the fact that other people can witness what's going on with you or even after during like the integration talk, which hopefully you guys are using, um, you know, I, I would say don't just leave after a psychedelic journey in a community, like have an integration talk. So what happened? Let's talk about this. The fact that other people can hear you and you're having this exchange. Um, and as well, people are in a, you know, usually pretty expanded state, even still, even when you're back to the point that they can kind of like look at you in your best light in a sense. And then the fact that you can be felt, I mean, that, that you can feel that people are, are perceiving you um, in your best light it's just a really healing thing and it's a humanizing thing. And it's like a, we're all in together, this together thing. And not only that, but when you also during journeys, see other people in their process, it, it's another one of those humanizing things. That's just like, wow, like, you know, they're actually really yeah. going through it. So I don't feel bad if I have a little fit or if I go through something or if I have a, a nice little cry or some type of cathartic, movement or whatever it is versus trying to hold it together because you're in public, you know? Um, and that's a similar thing with just community gatherings, no psychedelics included, you know, even just like dancing together, the act of dancing is this freeing thing. It's like, Hey, I'm not judging you. You're not judging me. We're just entering this state. Um, yeah. and, uh, that witness thing and the, the energy there, I don't know. I feel like that's an important part of all of that. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah being in an environment where your guard is not just down, but you have no choice 
but to let it down because that's what these things do dude they melt the facade of your ego they they melt all of the the like it's kind of the visual i just got is like jim carrey and mask or whatever where he has like you know like when it gets stuck to his face Mm -hmm. and that's like what our persona is to an extent right like that's what persona means is is mask i believe Mm -hmm. and it's like dude you might think you're ready to take it off or you, you but it doesn't even matter like sometimes you can't let go of the the constructs and concepts that make up your these psychological elements of who you are mm-hmm. but these substances in a significant dose will rip that thing off your face i mean mm-hmm. being like the the most powerful example i've been a part of is when i did that ayahuasca retreat a couple of years ago now and it's just like dude you want to make a group of disparate strangers from all over the world friends in a night <laughs> boom yep. it's just like all of that social awkwardness about oh well I, this, these are my couple of people i know here and i'm going to stay there right. and and i'm going to be here and i'm not going to talk about this and i'm going to make sure i look good one night of a, a large ayahuasca dose where everyone's yelling and screaming and writhing and crying and puking the next morning is is very familiar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like what do you what do you like man you know what i went through in that trip mm-hmm. i just flicked myself in the eyeball <laughs> with a hoodie string um you know what i went through dude right. i had to be taken into a shower by a bunch of strangers and like stripped down to my underoos mm-hmm. like within a few hours of meeting mm-hmm. people so mm-hmm. that that sheds the uh that sheds the facade real quick absolutely um, I've only been in, in two ayahuasca ceremonies so far, but I, I just remember the next day when we would all sit at the breakfast table, I was almost like, did that really happen? Oh, yeah. It was this feeling of like, are we all the same people that we were during that? Because like, I feel like I know you guys on a deep level, but we're kind of back down to base reality and we're just eating breakfast calmly now. It's just such a weird thing. It was like, was that a dream? You know what I mean? It feels like yeah. you've woken up to, you know, from, you know, some some other place, you know, some other yeah. out there, super far away place. And now we're just eating blueberries. And it's like, <laughs> whoa, you know? And then also you're more curious about people. So what do you do? You know, what brought you here? You know, because a lot of times you mm-hmm. don't get that talk before. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. in certain containers you do. But um, or you get a very like sculpted version of it, mm-hmm, you know, right. And then, man, but I- I'll tell you by day two or three, when those guards did come down and the shares were getting more personal, mm-hmm. I almost felt guilty for being there because of the levels of trauma some sure. people were grappling with, you know, like it's like, well, yeah, I want to I want to explore my consciousness and figure <laughs> out what my life is all about, right. you know, all like the general kind of seeking impulses mm-hmm. that curious people have. And meanwhile, there's people there who suffered traumas I don't even want to repeat, totally. you know? And it's just like everyone in the room is weeping because of just how fucked it is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, but but yeah, those are, those are things people can do. Absolutely. And um, you were talking about having, um, you know, your... Uh, watchers your viewers um, commenting saying like we want a trip report video and yeah, yeah. you were, you were going to do mushrooms is that right yeah I decided to, to um, I'm in the process right now of telling the tale 
of my my first five gram experience Mm -hmm. and it's it was actually it it was actually it's actually a interesting time to talk about it and to tell that story Mm -hmm. because you know that i recently quit my day job to do all of third eye drops related things full time and when i had that first experience was actually right around the time i started third eye drops it was like Mm -hmm. a a little bit before that so it's it's interesting to reflect back on that liminal time because i was actually just starting that day job and I was also starting third eye drops. And that was the first time I really was like, you know, I had had numerous other experiences before that, but I had never had the absolutely like ego obliterating full blown, like, let's do this psychic tsunami experience. Right. And, and yeah, that was the first time I ever had it. And it was... Wait, was it was your first mushroom trip ever, five grams? No, 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 Okay, no, got no. it, got so it. So I'd, I'd had a bunch leading up to that. And I and I had... I can just go into the whole story sure. if you want. Um, so as you know, it's always kind of an alchemy of like timing, mm-hmm. supply, <laughs> what's going on in your life, right. whatever. So I had had a couple lighter experiences with that batch and i was like okay these have been pretty good and i have this much and i don't know the next time i'll have this much mm-hmm. so let's just fucking go for it totally and then you know you intellectually make the decision of okay i'm gonna do this and then you you get the amount in front of you and you just look at how much it is and you're like i can't right. believe i'm gonna do this right now mm-hmm and it's like every you know it's not it's not the most pleasant experience yeah. eating them either mm-hmm. so it's kind of like you're re like on every bite you're sort of reaffirming like i'm okay i'm doing this yeah i'm doing this i'm doing this i try to actually go into a mechanical mode and yeah. try to, yeah, to, you just to, do to not think i literally just like eat it as fast as possible and just like yeah. chew yeah, it yeah. almost mechanically like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like get yeah. it down. I'm like, okay, hard part's over, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then comes the inevitably awkward come up phase that's always weird because you're always like, oh, I think I'm feeling, I might be feeling something. Yeah, Am I know I the feeling? jaw thing. You just, you yeah, touch your jaw. I, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. all like sour and tense in here. It's like, mine gets tingly. Mine mm. starts, to, the very first thing is mine starts to tingle mm-hmm. and it feels kind of warm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, here we go. That's funny. Um. And so, but I mean, of course, I do try not to do that. I do try not to get manic or overly excited. But when you take that much, dude, it kind of is like a marching to the gallows kind of feeling, like Mm -hmm. knowing, like it's coming and there's nothing I can do to stop it at this point. Like I, it's, it's working its way through my stomach. It's being broken down. It's going to proliferate into my bloodstream. I'm going to get uh, the flood of this. It's happening. The yeah. process is is set in motion. So it's kind of like you're just watching like a like a boulder roll down a mountain. <laughs> like it's like, yo, that no one's going to stop that thing from hitting that right. village I was that about we call to my, mention my that. ego. I was about to mention this one part, which is, you know, many times I've actually thrown up um, oh, after really? I've eaten, you know, probably 30, 45 minutes in. And, mm-hmm. you know, it will, you'd almost think, because it's out of your body now and you've thrown yeah. it up, like it's not going to either affect you at all or very much. 
and it's like you still get the whole weight of it somehow like mm-hmm. i have like i threw it all up and i felt actually way better because i threw it up like my body was like my stomach was empty now there was nothing to like gurgle um but it was still a, a full-blown trip yeah you know yeah i i do get the nauseousness with with it but i've i've never thrown up and it always to me when that moment is happening everything in general feels kind of warpy mm-hmm. and almost like kind of a seasickness mm-hmm. and i and i always think of that as like i am i'm breaching the the sort of surface of the the water mm-hmm. you know like i feel like it's like you're you're going in and it's like oh everything's recalibrating gravity is recalibrating my mind is recalibrating I've sort of like burst open the barrier, the threshold that's normally there. And I'm like descending or ascending Mm -hmm. or both into this other realm of the unconscious realm of the psyche, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And then you, and then you get through that atmosphere and then everything kind of starts to unfold. Right. And as you know, with, with a dose of that magnitude, the sort of feeling of, whoa mm-hmm. it just keeps whoa mm-hmm. whoa whoa you know and then that doesn't stop for quite some time yeah and what that whoa feels like is really hard to describe but it's like the introduction of new sensory capacities mm-hmm. levels of sensitivity levels of feeling, levels of thought, all of these things happening at the same time in a way that's both very mentally intense and somatically intense. And I feel like, particularly with this dose, I had a very veil-melting experience in the way of, you think all these things are separate, you think your body is separate, your mind is separate, your thoughts, your mouth, your smell, your... Like it just showed me that no, none of it's really separate. Like the mm-hmm. these veils are put in place, but here you go, dummy. This is what happens when you right. turn the knob up on your sensitivity 100%. and your consciousness to this level, and you just feel everything yeah. and experience everything with the totality yeah. of what you have. So for me, this was synesthesia yeah. where i'm i'm seeing like the colors that are playing on this ambient playlist we're listening to yeah i'm saying all of my thoughts in a way where i don't have a filter i'm just babbling mm-hmm. babbling for some reason for me in the beginning of this trip it was catchphrases or not catchphrases <laughs> but like like stupid slogans you would see on a bag of chips or something oh like, slogans new come to imp- me too actually so weird dude like new and improved taste but but, but what's know? funny is yeah it's it's like the slogans and like the funny kind of catchiness of them but uh, applying it to what you're experiencing is what i do a lot of times mm. um but but before we move on real quick definitely remember where you are in the story i wanted to say one of the things that i utter so many times <clears throat> when it's coming on and and i'm landing in the and i've cleared the ozone or the atmosphere is i can't believe this yeah, and that's just a weird thing because it's clearly happening, but you can't believe it. I literally will like have... be looking up at a tree and almost laugh, yeah, crying. Yeah. I can't believe this. Yeah, but I'm seeing it. It's literally yeah. clear. It's evident. It's a self-evident yeah. truth. But I cannot believe this. 
you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a funny thing. And as well, I another have... thing I wanted to mention about it was yeah. that maybe this is synesthesia. Maybe it's just a visualization. I'm not sure. But I see air as a whole new dimension of air. And like when I can feel the air coming through my nose, it's just this crazy novel click of understanding that that same air is going through all the other noses. Like, oh, yeah. Like the deer's nose and the rabbit's nose and the ants. And like it's seeping through all of these things and allowing this life to happen, this just air, this, right. you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, whoa, totally. this same thing is like going to all of these animals and keeping right. them all alive. And, it, yeah, dude. you know, yeah. it's, it's an amazing. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're describing these different kinds of awe mm-hmm. that we, we're disconnected to from, rather, that are omnipresent all the time Mm -hmm. that we lose sight of because we're stuck in our persona in our ego in our mind on really mundane frontal lobe related things and by that i mean what am i going to do what did i do what do i need to do Mm -hmm. and you're in that part of the brain that is you know the high part of the brain that we need to function we need to plan we need to understand ourselves but meanwhile we're losing sight of the forest for the trees in terms of the beauty, in terms of all of these things that are buttressing our existence and the existence of all life forms. Mm-hmm. And air is a great example, dude, mm-hmm. because that is really like, yeah, you can stop and think about like, wow, I'm really glad, like take a deep breath, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you can zoom into the fact that, hey, wouldn't it be awful if you couldn't do that? But who does that? Like, who stops and thinks about they're grateful for their breath mm-hmm. and their lungs being able to work and that the the air is clean enough to breathe? But in those moments, it's like you're you're just viscerally reattached to the miracle of that. Right. And, and you're not thinking about like, oh, this is just some chemical reaction occurring in the atmosphere and mm-hmm. then these molecules proliferate around the planet and you know you're not you're, even if you did honestly even if you did think about it in that way it would still be awesome and wonderful and incredible mm-hmm. but then but but then it takes on this animated living mystical quality when you're on a psychedelic where it feels not only natural but purposeful mm-hmm. and it feels like of course it's here because it's a gift from the planet and, you know, it's like, it's like, it's just all of these different things go, go through your mind, mm-hmm. but I'm with you, dude. Yeah. Wait, waking up to the wonder that you're disconnected from. Yeah. But also I think I, I do want to say, because we're just completely whitewashing it to a certain extent that I also have like fear and regret sometimes going into that space because mm-hmm. you r- realize that your idea and your motivation for going into that space is always not fraudulent, but it's it's a very minimal reality in terms of what you're really doing. And then as you get into the space, you, you start to wake up, you start to remember what it really is. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, why did I come here again? Oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it really is like, especially on a large dose, like a skydive because you are just so 
at the mercy of the psychic gravity. Like it's going, it's pulling you in mm-hmm. or, or whatever, washing over you and you can't stop it. Like it's, it's happening and it's powerful and it feels, you know, yeah. like, it, like kind of in the way that you're, you know, at least in Western religion, they talk about fearing God. Mm-hmm. It sort of feels like that mm-hmm. because it's just so big. It's like, it's the Mysterium Tremendum mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. But again, like I said before, so is a big mountain. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to go on a big mountain flippantly because it it can be dangerous. It can be overwhelming. It can be too much. And I feel that way too. Like I, I feel both simultaneously yeah. where I'm in raw appreciation, but also kind of shivering fear. And I'm trying to like ride that. Like, yeah. you know, it is. And uh, yeah, it is, Um, you know, the, the terms that come to my mind when I'm experiencing what you're explaining is like, this is sacred. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not just something to come here and have fun. You know, it's seriously like, why would you enter the presence of quote unquote God if it weren't for a good reason? And maybe that's a little bit of that fear of God, which is, you know, a little bit like, oh, my God, I I came here to address my intention maybe was so small in comparison to what's being poured onto me, you know? And yeah, it feels like who am I to even set foot here in a way? Like, what am I doing? You know, just like and then I'm just like, um, thank you for letting me be here. I'll literally just kind of be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, like this reverence um, Mm -hmm. and specialty and importance and then when I step away from it, I'm like, I can't go back there unless it's for a really good reason, you know? Um, yeah, totally. And a lot of times I feel like I've been given gifts there. And why would I return for more gifts if I haven't put to use the gifts that were already given to me? Right. Um, and the gifts are really just understandings. Um, understandings of maybe something that you're passionate about or something you want to do with your life because it's such a fleeting this, you know, it really gives you this sense of mortality of, man, like it's really, you know, we should really like make the most of this life. Um, and that's why I think people should integrate it into their life, especially if they feel like they don't know what they want to do or maybe they're wasting it. It's like even just once a year, remembering how important this time is and how sacred it is, this, it's just something to not forget, you know, like. Yeah, it'd just be so sad to get to the end of the road and be like, "Damn, I didn't do anything," you know? <laughs> right? No, that and that drives me for sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but before I lose the thread, yeah. I'll just i'll I'll give the quick nutshell mm-hmm. of 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 the sort of road this wound this wound up taking. And so, just to recap, I'm I'm in the 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 mouth noise slogan dimension. Yeah. And the veils just precipitously continue to melt where I'm, there's no division between anything I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm. So if I have a sad thought, I am sadness. Like I am the archetype of overwhelmed, babbling, hyperventilating, snotty, weeping Mm -hmm. sadness. Like, you know, like you're, it's like, what if I just took the reality of the suffering of the world and that's you now. Mm-hmm. And you just have to sit with that. And I, I just, I remember shaking, crying, just devastated. Mm-hmm. But then guess what? Now let me turn that one all the way down. Mm-hmm. And hilarious, cosmic joke. Yep. Everything is happening for the entertainment of consciousness. 
and you're just like, and look, it's puppeting you. It's puppeting you in all of these ludicrous, silly ways where you have a nose and you have hair and you wear clothes and you, and it's just the yep. funniest, dumbest, most absurd, gut bustingly hilarious thing 100%. you've ever conceived of. And then how about ping pong between those two absolute extremes of what's possible to experience like 40 times. And I I remember just going back and forth and just being so overwhelmed in that kind of a roller coaster of emotion throughout that trip. Right. And then I also remember for the first time ever, eventually once the somatic intensity started to slow down and I'm just in the, the mental visual realm, Mm -hmm. I remember going from the sort of typical flower of life, mind's eye, fractal visuals to just, I can't believe that this realm of cartoons exists. Mm -hmm. And it's like flickering, like cartoon faces, literally emoji faces straight off of your phone to clown faces, to esoteric symbols. And it was just almost like a spinning slot machine mm-hmm. of all like symbols, faces. Is this mind, uh, sorry, eyes closed or open or both? I th- I think eyes closed, okay. <clears throat> but honestly, it's hard to remember because you know it. The intensity in an experience like this. I mean, you're definitely right. The fractal tendrils and sort of spokes of the matrix feel like they're just everywhere it's just you know you're swimming in it i want to comment on Um, the like the art art and stuff real quick that comes up which to me is always a conundrum to understand am i seeing this because i've seen it before and it's stored in my memory somewhere or are these novel images and or what inspired the images to begin with right you know it's so hard to know because like you said emoji faces it's like well that you know we've probably stored that in our consciousness because we see them all the time, we use them, they're, they're a part of like our daily thinking. So it could come up. But like when I would see like weird Aztec patterns or like right, right. statues, I'm like, whoa, is that what inspired? Is that what they saw to then yeah. make those statues and to make that art, that cave art or those um, rock art, you know, where they kind of chisel it in? Or did I see that on Discovery Channel? And it's showing me something in my memory. It's such a conundrum to know which one it is. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And I can I can also I can take a go adjacent here and give some some thoughts on that before I go forward. Mm -hmm. But I that's sort of the the two realms i play in or the two lenses i look at it from is you can look at it from the lens of we are not our our we're not in our own heads our heads are in it and it being sort of a collective field of consciousness and our discrete egos are just a tiny little vessel within that mm-hmm. field of consciousness And it feels like when you're in these visionary realms, you've ruptured that vessel to an extent and you're getting into the collective conscious and unconscious in a way that you cannot normally access. And and it probably trickles in in a more uniform 
way mm -hmm. in the realm of dreams. Mm -hmm. But right now it's just like raw, it's it's like raw information transfer and oh, I'm here now and I'm here and I'm there <laughs> and, I, and I can't, you know, it's sort of just like the, the vessel, like I said, has been ruptured and consciousness is just flowing in like foreign water or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely one of the ways that makes sense of it. And that sort of Jungian collective unconscious way yeah. where you've, you're on a tour, you know, Dante style, <laughs> and you're you're in this realm of the underworld now, and this is where archetypes and symbols and art and all of these things live, and they're just coming in, coming in and out. Mm -hmm. Or like you're saying, it's just you're you're reaching in to parts of your brain that are recalling experiences, but they're also creating actively at the same time. So it's mm -hmm. like iterative brain creation and recall happening in a way where it's like i'm inventing but i'm also recalling right and and i think either one is totally possible or or it's both mm -hmm. who the fuck knows but it, it certainly is reminiscent of the sort of allison gray secret language yeah um you know for anyone who hasn't seen that alex gray's wife mm -hmm. is also an artist and she's possibly most well known for this secret language and it, it definitely feels like that mm -hmm. but also feels trivial and dumb because i'm also just seeing like straight up emojis that right. you would see on the phone and like just cartoon clown faces and all of sure. these things like i said in such a way where it's almost unbelievable where it's like my mind's eye is not capable of conjuring perfect Bugs Bunny Cartoon Network detail right now. Mm -hmm. But in that time, it's sincerely just like I'm in a cartoon world of just dumb nonsense and also insane, sacred, right. you know, mind-blowing stuff at the right. same time. Yeah, it keeps um, it fun. And I just mentioned real quick because it's a, I think it's a pretty good example and just something that I remember fondly but one time i i uh i saw the matrix meaning the wall ahead of me literally became the ones and zeros and even the green and i could see the data that it was made up of and like through it i saw infinity um and so much of me was like oh my god this is what they discovered and this is why they made the movie because they saw this but then after the fact, I'm like, hold on. I, I love The Matrix. I've seen it a hundred times. So right. am I just projecting The Matrix onto that experience? Or is it drawing from some cool creative place in my brain that, yeah. you know what I mean? But it, I literally totally. saw it and it was so profound. And I was like, I would also make art out of this understanding, you know? Um, right. So I just wanted to mention that real yeah. quick. Yeah, we should get into Matrix simulation theory stuff because as you know i also went down that rabbit hole in a video and i have again just a little side note mm -hmm. in the same way writing makes you understand what you think and what you really know because you have to like when you're writing when we're talking like this we can oscillate between this or that or i don't know maybe it's like this and then just go tangentially somewhere else but if you're writing if you want to make it friendly for an audience, you have to present a structured narrative or argument or story. And that's forcing you to make decisions in a way that just talking like this doesn't. So I feel like making that video about 
simulation theory matrix whatever really clarified my own thoughts on that's great on and if you if you really put me in a position of like what do you think is going on Mm -hmm. um i feel like i came to some conclusions or some some strong suspicions there but anyway just to finish the yeah the uh the heroic dose experience so there's the emotional overwhelm of the veils melting there's the traveling through the sacred geometry realms but then also the just cartoony nonsense realms coupled with magical scripts and all kinds of shit mm-hmm. and then comes the what uh I've, I've heard alex gray call the the teaching moment and the teaching the teaching moments i i sort of i guess the way i conceptualize it is the feeling sort of of the container resealing and when you reseal the container, there's like leftover information from the collective and the ego starts to sort through that information and sort of narratives come to the top, like almost like, you know, you have like water and oil or something and they're like separating. Mm-hmm. And that layer of separation is sort of how your mind makes sense of what just happened yeah, I love that. or just like the the, the messages that come to you in that moment yeah and you're a- and you're able to like grab onto them in a way that you couldn't during right. the intensity of it because it's just too much and what i remember grabbing onto in those moments are are things that i feel like always come to me to an extent in these trips and one is immense immense gratitude for what we call consensus mundane normal reality in that it's solid it's here Mm -hmm. you just get to exist in a stable way i'm in a life where i get to be fed and comfortable and have people that love me Mm -hmm. and i'm always 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 taking that for granted and it's just you you can't overstate the beauty and miraculousness of that so that that was one two is the sort of earth centric message of the earth is a being you came out of the earth you're not here on accident you're here because you're part of the earth and what does that mean and and the what that means to me is always the essential function of the human being which is by the way something most philosophers would hate the idea that humans have some essential purpose. Mm-hmm. But the, this is what the the impression that I always get coming out of these is it's like, first of all, you're not any different than a plant in terms of you're constructed of all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. You're just a lot more advanced. You have the ability to walk around and make stuff and potentially get off the planet. And that getting off the planet seems to be a very, very purposeful capacity that Earth has given us in the same way that like a plant will pollinate, mm-hmm. right? Like it will it will shoot totally. off, you know, the building blocks of new life and new plants. That that's our function. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to go proliferate life and warmth and sun and you know, all of all of the different consciousness, all of these different things into the otherwise barren 
landscape right. of the solar system. And only we can do that. And everything else that human beings are doing is is getting distracted, chasing our own tails, like chasing the tails of our own consciousness. And we're, we're not fulfilling the sort of cosmo mystical purpose that we've been mm-hmm. assigned in this life. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's another thing. Oh, and by the way, you're also kind of destroying your mother in the process with all of your plastic and your other bullshit that you're doing. And, um, so th- those were two of the huge takeaways. And I feel like there might be something else too that I'm forgetting, but um, oh yeah. And also just the fact that your existence is so fleeting because I did have the sort of, you know, I mentioned before that I had a pretty strong connection to the devastating death, pain, mortality part of existence. And then you come out of that and and you're you're sad about it to an extent, but you're also like, thank God I'm healthy right now yeah. and I can experience life and just a very strong sense of like, don't waste this. Yeah. Don't worry so much about the inevitable. Just, you know, and it sounds so cheesy, but like just the seize the day, enjoy your life. Mm-hmm just be grateful for it and don't lose sight of the the brevity and the the miracle that it is that you're even here mm-hmm. and just don't sweat the small shit all of those cliche things that are immensely powerful when you feel them yeah is is what i was feeling coming out of that 100%. and it, and it, it in in no small part precipitated the leap into doing third eye drops because mm-hmm. you have all of that creative doubt you have all of that, who am I? Why would anyone care what I have to say? Why would anyone listen to me? And it just pushes you over the lens of, le- or the, the ledge of like, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? You can make up excuses or just go do what you want to do in life and just go do it. You know, just go do it. Shut up and go do it. Was a very strong yeah. uh, sense that I had to. Absolutely. Yeah, on the mortality um, part there, it made me recall the feeling that I had had for weeks and months after some of my initial experiences with psychedelics, which was this might be my last day. Yeah. Live it up Mm -hmm. in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that can actually, you know, when I'm thinking back to it, it did lead to some maybe like less than uh, sustainable ways of being such as eat the best fucking dinner tonight. Because this might right. be my last dinner. A good dinner is expensive, right? And also not too good for your weight. <laughs> so, you know, it can lead to a little bit of like enabling like these, dude, I'm going to smoke four joints today. It might be my last day, you know, like, and I, and I thought that and it never really hit me too hard in a, in a bad way. But, um, you know, these days I'm a little more like, let's keep light and nimble yeah. and, don't take more than we need and like you know that's where i'm at these days but back then i was definitely like dude every day is a miracle like i could do like whatever i want this could be my last day so i have to like do exactly what i want to do and you know it's an interesting concept and i'd say arguably it was good for me because previous to that i was just kind of in this stagnation state so Mm -hmm. being a little little more full of life a little more electric uh, electrified um certainly got me, you know, through some, some years there that I, I could have, uh, that I did benefit from. Um, 
you know, it's weird these days. It's a very yogic. I'm understanding these yogic concepts of, um, you know, not taking more than you need and, and kind of staying on the, the lighter mm-hmm, side mm-hmm. and trying to not impact people in any negative way if you can help it and these types of yeah. things. Um, so it's different there. But but as well, I wanted to say how you talked about, you know, our Mother Earth and how we're killing it and that realization coming through psychedelics. I had that realization as well. And for months and, and years after that, I would like be so much more inclined to pick up a piece of trash and throw it and yeah. throw it away when I see it in the street. Um, whereas before I didn't even see it. It's like, yeah, people litter, like it's a thing, it's normal, whatever. But like after these experiences, I would literally be like, hey, this isn't out of my way to pick this up and throw it on the way into the store or whatever. And like right. do these little things. And that's just something that I just don't know if you can get otherwise. Maybe if you have like a family that's instilling that in you from childhood um, or you're mm-hmm. just particularly interested in, you know, like saving the earth, which some kids are, honestly. Like uh, I have someone on my podcast who knew from a young age how bad litter was. Like I think she was like five years old and she just well, knew litter I, I was bad. I don't know bad. if you remember this. I don't know if you remember this, but that was really drilled into my head in my elementary school. Like from the, we had songs about, there was like a song that was like, save the planet and everything on it. We've got to do it today. I still remember that. Yeah. And no, yeah, for me, like, I mean, I'm sure I, I learned all that, but I wasn't present with it. Okay. Uh, you know, like in school, I didn't like <laughs> school. <laughs> I was thinking oh, about yeah, no, just other people and, you know, like I wouldn't really... In, not until the last few years of high school did I actually participate. And like, I'm going to actually try now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I probably heard all that, but it just did not register with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you on that, on, on the seeing the litter and just being just like, man, what? Like, yeah. how can people do this? Right. But then also I can understand the disconnected place that people who who saw like if you go to the inner city you're going to see a lot more trash mm-hmm. and if you and if you understand and i and i feel like with this informed interconnected pov that we're talking about it's not difficult to understand what gets a person to that place and what gets them to that place is they don't feel cared about yeah. they don't feel supported they don't feel any connection to a community so they don't care about the idea of damaging something at at the very minimum aesthetically damaging it with the appearance of trash because they themselves don't feel worthy of being in a nice place because they don't you know it's just and it's just a sad feedback loop of suffering that's both self-inflicted and and culturally reinforced right you know, and, and that's fucked up. And, yeah. but anyway, but anyway, um, I forget what I was On the where, last I part, literal wise, I'll yeah. just mention that I remember it was almost a trigger point for me after these experiences when I would see people mm-hmm. throw cigarettes on the ground after they were done with them. Yeah. Um, I would literally get so pissed. Like I'd be, or even in my car, like if I saw someone like do the little flick, the cigarette out yeah. the window. I would be like motherfucker, because <laughs> it's yeah, because it's just un, it's just unconsciousness, and it sounds so cheesy and wooey to say that, but it's like it's unconsciousness in a way where it's like I'm sort of disappointed with myself because I see myself in in this person, mm-hmm. 
especially in the wake of these experiences where, where you understand where it's like that in, in a weird way is kind of me doing the same thing in a part of myself that hasn't connected those dots yet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, and then it's like, it's almost like instead of a projected disgust and again, like kind of a Jungian sense pro- projection where you're, you're taking some internal failing of yourself and it, and you're putting it out on another entity in the world, but really it's, it's, it's something inside. It's like, you're more aware of the fact that that's something that you've integrated and worked through. And it's like, you, you can't accept the fact that there's so many other parts of the world Mm -hmm. and of yourself that haven't worked through that yet. And this sounds like, this sounds like, oh, I'm up here now while I was down there. And I don't mean it to sound like that, but it's just like, I don't know how else to describe it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think ideally, man, these experiences are supposed to be initiatic because if you look at them in their native structure, whether you go back to tribal shamanistic use of visionary substances mm-hmm. or you go into the Hellenistic world with initiatory traditions like um, Temple of Eleusis and the other mystery traditions that proliferated all over that part of the world and Egypt and India. It was supposed to take you from one phase of your life and one understanding of yourself to another. And as far as I can tell, that other is to wake up to a collective identity or a sacred identity that is no longer a discrete separate selfish entity but an entity that is informed by that unity by that godliness by that unity mm-hmm. and you're supposed to now be an avatar of that going forward into your life as much as possible right and you know the, even even non psychedelically informed initiations this is what they do like if you look at the master mason initiate initiation in freemasonry you go through this whole um almost like martyrdom kind of narrative Mm -hmm. where this um figure named hiram abiff is dies and is resurrected using a secret name of God. Mm. And you go through, as the initiate, you go through that process of being resurrected using the secret name of God. And then you are now like a sacred being and you're supposed to go back out in the world as such. And I think that that's, you know, going back to the set and setting, I feel like these experiences divorced from that kind of understanding, maybe they really are just, fucking yourself up maybe they really are just you know kind of treating something like a way to alter your consciousness and play with your consciousness because that is the most powerful lesson Mm -hmm. and real not just lesson but realization like felt realization i think that the human experience has is it is a felt reality that you are connected to everything and everything is one Mm -hmm. and that you need to be a representative of that reality going forward. But then, of course, we live in like the worst 
society mm-hmm. for that dude because it's just everything is individual everything right. is comparison based everything is what car do you drive what car do they drive how many followers do they have how many followers do you have mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's just implicitly coercively hegemonically stitched into the way that we go through the world so it just makes it so hard to yeah. do that it's tough and i think that makes me think why some people you know leave society or maybe go to a mm-hmm. monastery or these types of things because there you can kind of stay a little more in touch with all that but for me for one you know like when i would come back out to the world and act with these understandings it would not necessarily reaffirm that this is the correct action to me. A lot of times it would say I would be um, met with the harsh realities uh, of society and not that, that I actually couldn't just show up with the energy and change the space or inspire or enlighten. It was just kind of like, wow, I'm just getting a lot of resistance. So yeah. is this really the way to be, even though it's what's really calling and it's what's really I've learned in these deep experiences as the way to be, which is kind, right? And it's funny because like so much kindness can go like unappreciated and almost seen as weakness in a weird way. Yeah, or it can be abused. Yeah. Yeah. And um, all of those things were, were these harsh realities. Um that would come of that. So there's almost like a re armoring that has to happen where it's like, okay, I can't be so hard open. I can't be so giving and so kind and yeah. so gracious um, because it felt like, you know, the right way to be hundred percent. But when the experiences I'm having aren't lining up with feeling good, it's like, damn, I really mm-hmm. have to reconsider this stuff. And that's, it's a hard well, place all, to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're living in a construct that is if you just zoom out on western capitalistic life to me it looks like a coping mechanism for a lot of the innate fears that come along with being a human and knowing you're going to die and you know knowing we're vulnerable and knowing we need protection. So what do we do? We literally put walls around ourselves. We literally make, you know, safety nets for safety nets for safety nets. Mm -hmm. But then that has the unfortunate side effect of insulating us from the reality of life and lulling us into a very complacent beige way of life where we do the same things over and over again, we have the same experiences over and over again, and we're just sort of hypnotized into these cycles until we get sick and we're like, oh, what the fuck, that's it? Oh, my God. And you just don't understand like how you got from point A to point B and sleptwalk your way through life. And that's what these experiences give you an opportunity to do mm-hmm. is to wake up in the middle and be like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? Mm-hmm. Hold on, where am I? What like uh, uh, they're like checkpoints, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you can they're they're not unfortunately panaceas that instantly alter your trajectory for the better and keep you awake and lucid and deliberate for the rest of your life. 
But what they kind of do for me is they collectively layer after layer alter my value system and what I think is important. And eventually it comes out in a way where it's not perfect, but at least I feel like through doing things like having these conversations and making communities that revolve around big questions, you, it's like you you slowly build a different kind of value system and structure and suddenly, like for you, Matt, you're a yoga teacher and suddenly you have a podcast and suddenly you have creative, um, you know, friends and organizations mm -hmm. dedicated to pushing forth this imagery and these narratives. <clears throat> and you look around and you're like, okay, I've, I've made a little bit of an outpost here. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and that's, that seems to be what it can do, you know, maybe mm -hmm. over time, it changes your career. Maybe over time, it changes your friend group. Maybe over time, it changes the books you read. And that matters. You know, that yeah. that stuff matters and it and it alters your modus operandi in this life in, in a significant way. And then hopefully that affects other people. Mm -hmm. And it's it's but but we're we're foundationally swimming upstream against a construct that just wants to create more of the same, more material, more complacency, more well-heeled activities that resonate with, you know, this, this capitalistic, vacuous, unspiritual drone life, uh -huh. you know? And it's like we we it's like we have to rebel against it but at the same time play within its rules and it's mm -hmm. such a weird thing to try to balance yep well said yeah that actually does lead me to one of the other questions um and i you know and maybe it's as answer uh as easily answered as the middle way which i know you're familiar with as far as buddhism but it, it is this kind of like what how do we find like the, the healthy middle point between being so kind and loving and open and yeah. also <clears throat> not letting that get taken advantage of, like you had said, or just kind of like um, prioritizing yourself in certain circumstances? Um, because, you know, as I said before, it, it's a weird thing when you want to like try to be so open and so uh, energetically um, ca calibrated and, and these types of things, you know, mm -hmm. for example, this is just a small example. Um, I've, and I've talked about it on a number of my podcasts where it almost felt like the kind thing to do would to be, if I get a text, like respond immediately. Right. It's like, I'm showing up. Boom. Like I'm here. Like I see it. I can do it now. I can do it right now. I knock it out, you know, but then there's this point where it's like, <clears throat> learning how to to not get interrupted in what you're doing and you, where your life is at and um prioritizing maybe your work versus like what people might need of you or asking of you and these types of things so there's got to be some way that isn't just like a law it's not just a law like this is the exact way but like i feel like you know i've i've noticed by working with a handful of people that there is some type of a way where yeah. um there's a middle ground there, you know, and I just wonder if you could speak on 
on how can we, you know, help people that might be suffering with what I was dealing with, where I feel like I'm only showing up with honest, great intentions. And like, I need to Mm -hmm. boom, 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 talk to everyone real quick, real fast versus, um, you know, is that really interrupting me and my flow and the things I want to do? And and I'm not noticing it. And these types of, you know, you know, I'm coming from. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's why the, the sort of outline of the life of Siddhartha Gautama is so powerful because it it's like you can see yourself in his life experience Mm -hmm. and the way that he settled on the middle path is by living both extremes Mm -hmm. you know he he had to experience what it was be what it was like to be wealthy and have all of his needs met which 99% of us have that covered because, you know, just by living in America, even if you're like to an extent, even if you're like near the poverty line, there's a decent chance that you've always been able to feed yourself. You've been in a house, you know, where you're comfortable Mm -hmm. and that's not too far off from like what only would have been reserved for royalty in in times past, you know? And of course, there's some differences. I'm not saying it's as, it's as easy as being, you know, a noble or something, but mm-hmm. we know what it's like to be comfortable. We know what it's like to have easy calories. We know what it's like to be able to become like, just not go to the gym and, mm-hmm. you know, ignore things. But what's a lot harder is to go to that place of the other extreme where you're really, truly depriving yourself. Yeah. And Buddha did that to like the maximum. Like if you've seen the mm-hmm. image of the, the, starved buddha where he was supposedly living on one grain of rice a day and all of his ribs are showing like this is the archetype of the obsessed ascetic who is just plunging themselves to the depths of deprivation Mm -hmm. and that didn't work for him either and what uh, but but here's the thing that i think is important to think about is i don't think a person in our situation, in our life, just go straight to the middle. I think what I think the the subtext of that story is that you yourself have to play, you yourself have to have a wide breadth of experiences, mm-hmm. and those experiences are going to inform you on what the correct way to act going forward is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you you don't get the ability to discern without going through a fuck ton of mistakes and a bunch of like, well, I was way off there. Mm -hmm. That was a total waste of time. And I think that's really super important to reflect on because most people depict themselves, especially people who have a quote unquote spiritual public facing persona they depict themselves in the most physically beautiful light with the coolest hat and the coolest (laughs) outfit and they're like i figured it out come to my thing my retreat my whatever and that doesn't tell you the most important part of the story which is not the outcome which is a fake anyway Mm -hmm. it's it's the it's the oh, I fucked up on this one, I fucked up on this one, and now I adjust and I recalibrate. I adjust and I recalibrate. And as long as you have a genuine desire to align yourself with doing what you think is the right thing for you, for the people in your life, 
you're doing it. Like you're following a, the North Star mm -hmm. of of the sacred, I think. Yeah. And that to me is what the middle path is, is it's not trying to go between the two extremes all the time. It's to understand this is what happens if I do this. This is what happens if I do that. I've learned that from experience and now I course correct. Mm -hmm. And now I course correct. Mm -hmm. But I think th it's also an ongoing, you know. It certainly takes <laughs> you know, a level of like awareness, constant yeah. awareness though, because it's easy just to fall into that pattern where mm -hmm. it's, you know, like the pattern I was, I was referencing for myself is, you know, I just parked at the grocery store. Clearly my mission is to go in and get the groceries. Oh, but I just got a text. I can sit here in my car for an extra two minutes and handle right. this real quick. But like, if I'm not, you know, like if, if I was to do the course correction ideas, like what you're saying, I would have to be aware in that moment. Wait, my, I'm right. on a mission right now. Like, yep. I should go handle that. That's more important, you know, and, you know, totally barring that it's not like some life or death situation or super important job situation, you know, in that case, you know, you might want to address it right now. But like, if it's just some little, doo -doo -doo, you know, it's like, yeah, is it really? And, and how is it then that we stay conscious, you know, or, or, pra or practice? Is it just a practice? Does it come with age? Like, what, what do you feel like it is? Both, I think. Okay. Both, because I mean, I definitely know people who are on in years that don't feel like they're even on that. Like, they don't, they're, they are in the going through the motions mm -hmm. hypnosis. And it's like, you know, who, who are we to be like, I got the answers. Let me snap you out of this. Like that, you know, mm -hmm. I don't do that. Godsy and I just talked about that. Mm -hmm. How you can't giving advice just doesn't fucking work mm -hmm. because people need to go through experiences for themselves and they need to integrate those experiences for themselves in such a way where it clicks and they have the personal epiphany that makes them want to be different. Mm -hmm. And you can look at this in all different fields of life. Mm -hmm. It's like, if it were as simple as going up to an alcoholic and being like, hey, dude, don't drink anymore. <laughs> you know, like no one would be an alcoholic right. if it were as simple as, hey, man, you've been in this dead end job for 20 years. Why don't you, why don't you just quit? Mm -hmm. If it were that simple, everyone would be on the ideal path. And, and it's not that simple. And the reason it's not that simple is because people suppress what they know is the right thing for themselves to do for short-term comfort and ease mm -hmm. over and over and over again. And we're all guilty of this to an extent. I'm not at all saying that I don't do this. I do it all the time. But you've got to be real with yourself at various points and say, I'm not ever going to be perfect but this cannot happen. Like whatever this is for you, mm -hmm. like you, there, there are things rattling around, like things bursting to the forefront of people's minds listening to this right now. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that you have to be like single-mindedly, no matter what, I can't let this happen. I can't, right. you know, I grew up in this small town and I've been wanting to get out of here forever. Like whatever it is for you, mm -hmm. you know, like you've got to know and you've got to, like I was talking about before that having that, north star whether it's like something spiritual or moral or whatever you've got to you've got to make sure you're on that trajectory because it can be so easy to be like yeah i'm going that way right but then if you you know if you if you if you're on a boat 
and you turn the wheel just a couple degrees, <laughs> end you'll up end up on a different country. fucking continent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? And that's what life is like, dude. Right. And I think that's what, I think that's a better way to look at the, the middle path than just being yeah. moderate or something. The middle path is understanding when you're askew toward what really matters. And if we're talking about pure Buddhism, that's different mm -hmm. <laughs> than, than modern life because the, the North Star in pure B Buddhism is obviously the cessation of suffering and is essentially nullification of the ego and following the Eightfold Path and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But it's interesting how some things are relatively easy to stay in touch with. Like for me, the whole Buddhist concept of trying to not add more suffering to the world than there already is feels pretty easy for me, you know, um, yeah. when I'm out at the store or dealing with a waiter at the restaurant or wherever I'm at, I feel like 99% of the time I'm easygoing. I'm not Same. a freaking crazy Karen, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, and other parts though, are these kind of struggles that I need to be constantly reminded of, even though maybe it's less important, you know, maybe I'm doing so much mm -hmm. good by being like, you know what I mean? And what I just said as the example, like, why am I so hard on myself on this one little thing? It's interesting. But, you know, I've said in the past, like, what do you do? Get a tattoo of it so you can remember every day? Or do you write it on your mirror? Or, yeah. or like, why can't I remember that? Right? So, like, well, let's just say, like, it's someone who wants to quit smoking. Um, like, they know they want to quit. They know. They know. Mm -hmm. But then just some unconscious thing happens one day and they had an argument and, uh, you know, here we go. Yeah. It's happening yeah. again. But like if they had the tattoo, maybe they wouldn't. I, I don't fucking know. But it's interesting right. how some things are easy to to uh, integrate. And maybe it's on a person-to-person -person basis, you know. But, but other yeah. things are like, you know you want to improve on this. But this is something you almost can't help. And sometimes it's not even totally. a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good, you have a good intention with this thing, right? But it's like, it's not working, you know? It's like, if you, like, the good intention is I want to hug everyone. <laughs> you keep going up to people like, I just want to hug you, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work. We don't live in that world. Not yet. Right. Maybe in an Austin gathering, right. but. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have a good yeah, intention. Man. I want to hug you. I can't help it. You know, but people I are think, like, dude, back up back up bro <laughs> right right that's 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 a good yeah that's kind of a good example of how the world just doesn't line up mm -hmm. with these principles and it prioritizes this really in a lot of ways the suppression of that spiritual principle that we're talking about that that can flower through you and it actually can harmonize with this world we're living in this this capitalistic accomplishment centric world, mm -hmm. but it's so difficult to do. And I think just to go back to this principle to, to try to make it a little more clear for people and not esoteric, you know, because it's, it's when you're talking about things like heroic doses and mm -hmm. mystical traditions and blah, blah, blah. I think these things can get very, abstract and amorphous and to me it really is as simple as a deep desire to align yourself with what you truly think is right and not on an ego level but on on a level of the collective mm -hmm. on a level of 
the the spirit, whatever you want to call it, on a level of the capital S self, which is the the total united self of all of humanity and consciousness. Like if if that is the thing that you are motivated by and propelled by, you're doing the right thing. And when you fuck up, because you will, because you're human, because to have a personality is to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean by that. What is a personality? It's a collection of attributes that you have that were thrust upon you through coercive genetics and a situation that you didn't choose. All of these things that happened to you. Yeah. Some of those things are good. Some of those things are bad. Even the things that are bad are good under certain circumstances and things that are good are bad <laughs> under certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like if you're an analytical person, good job. You're going to be great at math. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're going to be terrible at interpersonal relationships. You know, it's just mm -hmm. to have attributes is to have flaws. Mm -hmm. So to fuck up is guaranteed. So we're just going to constantly be fucking up and course correcting, fucking up and course correcting. Mm -hmm. And as long as you never give up on the course correcting, I think you're winning. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're doing the best that you can. And it's amazing. It's amazing that we get to have that opportunity and we get to be in a world that allows us to, to pursue the better and fail at perfection. Pursue the better, fail at perfection, pursue the better. <laughs> it, it sounds sad and defeatist in a way, but it's also like the most beautiful kind of sadness. Mm. You know, because it's like, what's more beautiful than a being that can never be perfect and can never be at a finish line, but continuously goes forward and goes forward day after day, year after year, generation after generation, human beings go forward and try to do better. Mm -hmm. And that's such a fucking beautiful thing that right in this moment, it almost makes me want to cry mm -hmm. because it's simultaneously the most beautiful and tragic thing I can conceive of. Mm -hmm. And that's what we are. Mm -hmm. Amen. Wow. Well said. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, uh, that brought me back to earlier something that I, I wanted to say, but I didn't really get a, a chance to say, which was when we were talking about that sadness that we get on mushrooms, that almost tapping into the the suffering of, of the entire planet. Um, you know, I feel that initially, and then as I'm in the, the fit of the cathartic release of crying, I feel how beautiful this is. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like how beautiful I could feel this. You know, it's it's a deep thing, and it's weird um, to be able to find beauty and sadness. And I think that, you know, it, maybe a lot of us, like I grew up listening to Nine Inch Nails, and uh, a lot of his lyrics are rather depressing. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I just felt, wow, what a beautiful song. Right. What a beautiful song, you know? Because it's a cry from the soul, man. Like, there yeah. are some artists that you know they're operating on a deep level. And obviously, Trent Reznor is a real artist. Like, mm -hmm. I've never even been a huge fan, but I but I know that. It's mm -hmm. like you, you see an interview with him, you hear his music. Like, those cries, even if they're taking on, like, the ugly elements of the human experience it's fucking shadow work mm -hmm. it's 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 like it we all have that in us and he's expressing that and that's that's you know when i go to the gym i put on fucking metal dude. <laughs> like you know i don't i don't like listen i don't listen to like chill lo-fi beats <laughs> at the gym you know like i want to i want to go into 
war mode sometimes because that's part of the human spirit. I want to go into lover mode. I want to go into, you know, all the different elements of the human experience when they, Mm -hmm. when they're called for, maybe in a way that's the middle path too, because it's like understanding the shades and archetypes of what it is to be a human Mm -hmm. and knowing when to turn them up and turn them down and use them rather than like, let them use you, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Love that. Love that. I would say probably about, um, 10 more minutes. Is that good for you? Yeah, I got some I got some lunch to get. So let's cool. yeah, let's wrap her soon. Awesome. Sounds good. I will just say it's funny that um I haven't been using music at the gym as much as a tool as uh many people I know. Oddly, I'm listening to third eye drops at the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that on occasion too. Ooh, you know, to I'm lifting <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm yeah. Talk, thinking about qualias. <laughs> <laughs> You're having qualia at the same time. Yeah. I love that. Um interesting how we sometimes just like navigate towards a whole different form of art which i believe podcast is an art um at different times in our lives because certainly i would wake up every morning and i used to listen to music it was how i started my day was music um these days it's literally podcasts it's literally new youtube clips um if yeah and i almost feel like it's a healthy thing you know i know certain part of it is um, like I've heard the the recommendation many times and many times I've tried to, to follow it, which is don't like fill your mind with anything for the first hour upon waking. Like mm. don't start thinking and don't listen to music, don't listen to podcasts, don't get on social media. Like, but part of it for me, it feels almost like a healthy way to, to, to get your day going because, you know, arguably it's, it's quality content. It's helpful content, yeah. spiritually aimed content. Um, and it just feels good, you know, but there is this balance I'm trying to strive for, which is like, hey, you know, follow the Huberman recommendation, right? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. versus, versus what just feels right. Um, yeah. So I'll leave this last question, uh, leave it on this last question, which is like, how do you, you know, wake up and get your day started? And what's your kind of ritual? Well, this this is a great question because this is something I'm terrible at and it's something that I need to do a lot of course correction on and I'm learning every day about myself is that if I'm left to my own devices, I will be 100% honest about what my waking up process looks like. So you and I are both in a situation where we don't have to do anything first Sure. In the morning, we're have to usually, rush out. Yeah. Usually, that's not good because it <laughs> it gives you the ability to remain in that liminal morning space for way too long. And to an extent, it's normal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're waking up, your body might be stiff, you're groggy, whatever. That you need a natural ramp up period, but that can linger for way too long. And then you just start wasting the day. You start wasting energy. You get pulled into social media, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I do, I get stuck in that almost every morning. And that's something that I have to combat. But I do think, you know, essentially, if you just look at what's happening, like the, the, the energy of night and sleeping to me does feel almost like, you know, as I get older and I've had more experiences, it does almost feel psychedelic because it feels like a phase shift of consciousness mm-hmm. where it's like all of the outside world is literally disappearing 
from your field of vision because it's getting dark, mm -hmm. meaning you withdraw inward, you start to think about things, you start to worry, you start to have all of these different faculties slowing down. You have these hormonal cascades of like melatonin and shit mm -hmm. that get your, you into this hyper dark place where you, your consciousness turns off and goes into this liminal dream realm for a while. Mm -hmm. And to an extent, yeah, you should do the Huberman method because it shifts you back into the daytime way of thinking with the least amount of friction. Mm -hmm. And for people listening, this is go get sunlight right away. Do an exercise, you know, go for a walk, go for a run early in the morning mm -hmm. because it's going to help your circadian rhythm and all of the hormones associated with that be optimal and help you wake up and go to sleep at the right times, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I do think ideally that's a great thing to strive for, but I also think that it's probably pretty unrealistic for a lot of people because what they're doing is they're either jumping from obligation to obligation throughout the day, mm -hmm. or they're like doing what we do where they waste too much time in the morning. <laughs> so maybe, the, maybe the Huberman method is a good middle path. Mm -hmm. Then it's a good thing to strive for. Cause at least when you know, like, this is what I should be doing that can sort of leak its way into your consciousness over days or months or however long it takes. Totally. And you can at least start to do those things. You don't sun your balls in the morning. I mean, I have a, I do have a red light that I just sleep with between my legs and it just on an alarm, it turns on the, you know, you have that same little red light. I do. I'm pretty sure yep. that we got at that at that. Yeah. Totally. Sleep with that between my legs and then bam. Yeah. I'll tell you something real quick about red light, which is for years, I used red light every time I meditated. Um, and as I started rediscovering these, uh, texts, uh, that teach meditation, None of them talk about red light, right? So part of me was like, have I been doing it wrong? Like, it seemed like a good idea to combine red light therapy and meditation. And you also get this light behind your eyes. You know, you've yeah. sat in front of red light before and with your eyes yep. closed, you see the yep. light still. Mm -hmm. It's nice. Um, but, you know, as I'm reading these texts, it's like, you know, find a dark room. Dark is not the same as red light, you know? So like right. for the past probably two months, I've been meditating with no red light, but I'm already, I'm not getting the red light nearly as much now because that was pretty much the time when I would use it. Um, but what I've been coming to is maybe meditate without the red light first, knock that out, and then meditate with the red light after um, as more of a red light therapy basking sesh than a, than a meditation sesh. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That's just like something in my personal life that I was because I think many people meditate with the red light. So if you happen to do that, maybe look into some ancient techniques where they talk about going into dark rooms. Uh, you know, I, well, I, I really think... didn't get this big shift, though. I'm not saying like my meditations became so much more amazing. They really didn't change that much. But yeah. I don't know. It's good to experiment with. Well, it seems like, too, there's probably not a wrong way to do it because if, again, you sort of think about, well, if you're doing darkness, you're probably withdrawing more deep into the mind, deep into the the sort of like layers that are almost approximating mm -hmm. like the, the dream realm where things can slow down mm -hmm. and you can, you know, really move into those slower moving brainwaves. But there might not be anything wrong conversely with meditating in front of sunlight or another kind of light mm -hmm. it's just different mm -hmm. it's just in the same way like well if you want to do an energizing breath yeah. you're going to accentuate and prolong the inhale 
and you know do shorter exhales and inhale faster again mm -hmm. and if you want to do calming breath you're going to do a longer exhale you know it's like there's just i think it's just playing with the sympathetic parasympathetic mm -hmm. balance in weight whatever you're trying to do it seems like probably <clears throat> oh yeah i agree I, i'll end with this because it's kind of left field kind of random but i discovered for myself um, so you've done those, uh, light therapies that more or less give you like a, a little DMT trip, right? Like no, the Ajna light. No, like the Ajna. No, I haven't. I've heard of it. Okay. But. So I've done them a handful of times. They're definitely really interesting. Um, one day I was sitting in front of a pool after I got out of a sauna and the sun was coming through at just the right position that the light was bouncing off the pool and hitting my forehead. And with my eyes closed, it literally gave me that same effect. I was literally seeing oh, the, the patterns. Like, and it was like, oh, my God, like they've been doing this maybe for a long time. You know what I mean? Because if you just find the spot, you know, and a lot of yogis would actually sit in, by the, the river to meditate. It just makes me think if they line that sun up to the same point where it bounces off the water and hits and hits their their forehead more or less you could have like a non-psychedelically induced psychedelic state because i certainly did and it was a yeah. beautiful thing because i was literally like oh my god it's an all natural nature thing that can occur as well mm -hmm. not just this like bionic light for you know and and it was interesting too like the the rate in which it was coming because it wasn't pure light it wasn't like it was bouncing off in pure light like the ripples on the water were making it go like light 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 Light, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was just really cool. I don't know if you ever experienced that, but. Not exactly, but that makes sense. Yeah, I thought that was really cool to share. I've never talked about it, like, on a podcast yet. But it just gave me the glimpse that potentially yogis have been using light therapy like that for thousands of years because the sun and water have been here the whole time. You know what I mean? And it's just interesting how it can catch us in that um third eye so to speak <laughs> hey hey so how do people listen to your show and uh what, what do you got cooking on the horizon uh it's on all podcast platforms of course i'm trying to post uh pretty much every episode now to youtube first so i'm doing both pods on youtube and then like shorter little wonder dips where i explore certain topics like I'm going to, my next one's going to be on that first heroic dose of mushies that I ever had. I've done episode episodes, if you want to call them that, on simulation theory, on quantum weirdness and what it really means, like all of these weird quantum things you hear about and how people try to attach it to consciousness or argue about whether or not quantum physics has implications for consciousness. I've done episodes on that. So that's on the YouTube. I think you can just do youtube.com forward slash third eye drops for that. Um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Awesome. Instagram, you can find me. You know, how I, you're you're all technologically literate if you would like to find me. Yeah, these days you can just search and usually they come up. Um, whereas we used to have to actually have the handle. But thank you yeah. so much, Michael, for being here. Yeah, brother. Awesome chat. I think we hit some great points. Um, and uh, always looking forward to the next one so thanks again for being here and uh to the listeners thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one much love much love